Hello, good morning. My name is Ashley Christian, and I will be reading our scripture for today. Um, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 22. Um, and I'm reading from the New International Version. And it re it's about the resurrection of the dead. It reads, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, happy Easter. It's good to be with you. Happy Resurrection Day. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, back in my uh, Southern Baptist Church, someone would come up to you and say, He is risen, and then you'd say, He is risen indeed. And that is certainly good news for us today. Uh, my name's Tanner House. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new, there's a connect card under your chair. If you'd take a minute, fill that out. We'd love an opportunity to connect with you to see how we can serve you better as a church, to see how we can get you plugged in to the life of the body. Um, I'm going to be using the ESV. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Mark's back there. He'll bring you one. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, that is yours to keep. So, again, thank you for being here. We are gathered today to celebrate the resurrection as we do every Sunday. We want to celebrate our resurrected King Jesus. So I just want to say this, if you're a guest of ours this morning, and if you're here solely because it's Easter, I want to say thank you for being with us. Thank you for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. You could be at any number of our 200 churches in this town, but you're gathered together with us in the Fun Dome, and so we're really thankful that you chose to spend your Sunday with us so I want to spend this morning um, together not only remembering and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus together, but I really want us to consider the ramifications of it. I really want us to consider what the consequences are for the resurrection. And there's consequences for you as a believer, and there are consequences for the unbeliever as a result of the resurrection. So my hope for us this morning is that our time here is more than just doing the traditional Easter thing, you know, going to church before lunch, and then the egg hunt, if that's your quote-unquote Easter basket. <laughs> but um, my hope, actually, this morning is that you would have a real tangible encounter with the God of the universe, 
who willingly went to the cross for your guilt, for your shame, and who died the death that was reserved for you, who bore your penalty, who bore God's wrath against your sin, because our sin demanded a payment. Man, the cross is a historical event has no significance at all if Christ is not raised. The cross, apart from the resurrection, does, is, is nothing. It has no significance. And if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you cannot be neutral on the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, if you are a believer, changes everything. So when you consider the scriptures this morning, when you consider the resurrection this morning, you basically have two options. You can accept the resurrection of Jesus for life and salvation, or you deny it. And the way you live your life, your values, your hobbies, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, all of these things, they all speak to your actual, tangible, real feelings about the resurrection. And so this morning, church, I just, want us to, I just want us to all consider together deeply the resurrection of Jesus and what it means to us. Not simply as a tenet of the Christian faith, as a world religion, but on us as people called to be followers of Jesus. I want us to consider if any of this even matters to us. If this really truly matters to me as a person who claims to be a Christian. Does the resurrection of Jesus, does knowing that Jesus rose from the dead, does believing that Jesus rose from the grave move me to love and devotion for Jesus and lead me to mission with Jesus? And if it doesn't lead me to more love for Jesus and love for others, what does that mean for me? So I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into this text. Lord Jesus, we are thankful people. Lord, I am just overwhelmed with gratitude that you are no longer in that grave. Lord, that because of the resurrection, we now have life and can have life abundantly through your death, through your resurrection, through your ascension, Lord, through your intercession on our behalf. So may we walk as people in light of that, that you, holy, perfect, sinless God, Savior of the universe, stepped out of perfection and bore the cross for my sin and for my shame. Lord, you defeated death by rising. May we just consider deeply what that means for us this morning. Church, I'd ask if you're willing that you'd pray for yourself. That, that the Lord would reveal himself to you this morning in deep and powerful ways. That you would consider the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus to you. Lord, we love you. Help us to love you more. Lord, we trust you. Help us to trust you more. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians 15. Ashley read from verses 12 through 22, but I want to back it up a little bit and set the stage a little more for our purposes this morning. So 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be beginning in verse 1. And I'm in the ESV. It says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
So this is a man named the Apostle Paul. Uh, Apostle's not his first name. It's the title. Uh, <laughs> Paul's not his last name. It's actually his first name. Uh, he's writing to this church, and this church is in Corinth. The first 14 chapters of this letter, he's writing to deal with some very specific sin issues in this church in Corinth that need to be corrected. As the church of God, there are some very specific things that are expected of us as people who are called, as people who are set apart, as people who are called to holiness. There are some things that God puts in place for us to reflect his nature and to reflect his character as his children. So, and after Paul has written to correct this uh, waywardness in this church, he says, I want to remind you, church of Corinth, the whole reason why you were gathered together in the first place. I want to remind you of the gospel. And he's going to lay that out for us in the coming verses. But because I don't think that the gospel, the gospel can be overstated or overshared, here is exactly what Paul is referring to. This is what we as Christians call the good news. And that's this. Because of our sin, we needed a Savior. God set the standard for us to live by, for us to follow, and we chose ourselves. We chose not to follow God, and we chose to disobey, thus sinning against God himself. And so, God himself, as Jesus Christ, came to earth, lived the life we could not live on our behalf, and died the death we deserved on our behalf, and was buried, and then three days later he rose again, defeating sin and death again on our behalf, and now he has made a way for us to be reconciled back to God through our adoption as sons and daughters of God. With the resurrection of Jesus, we see the death of death. And so Paul is telling this church, remember those things. Remember those things that I told you. Remember those things that I told you and that you believed in. Paul says, this gospel that he preached to this church, to this group of believers, they received it in faith. They're standing on the truth of Jesus in faith. And then he says, through the gospel, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, they are now being saved, if indeed they hold fast, if you hold on, if you persevere in the message of Jesus. This is an interesting statement by Paul. He would only say, if you persevere, if you hold on, he would only say this if the church in Corinth was in danger of like stepping away from the faith. So consider this real quick. The language Paul uses here, he wrote this letter in Greek. Um, this is what is known as a perfect tense participle. If you're a nerd in here, you're going to love this. Uh, this is a perfect tense participle, which means this. It is a completed event. It is completed at the event of salvation. The moment that salvation takes place, it is completed. But it also carries forward forever without stopping. Past completion with future significance, a perfect tense participle. So this idea of being saved communicates that salvation then is a progressive salvation. What I mean is this, at the moment you come to faith in Christ, it is completed once and for all. 
And then in another sense, there's this biblical expectation that you continue to grow into your salvation, that you continue to grow in your faith. So like Bible Belt culture in which we live puts a lot of weight on this like salvation event when a person comes to faith in Jesus and they do so rightly. It is important for people to come to faith in Christ. Amen. Uh, but the, on the other hand, Bible Belt culture often neglects discipleship and often neglects growing in Christ. Maybe you grew up a lot like me and it was like, hey, pray this prayer. Get baptized, good luck. Right? Confess your sins, get heaven, avoid hell. All of those things are good, right? But that's woefully incomplete. Because what the New Testament shows us is that our salvation is closely tied to our sanctification or our growth in Christ. The gospel is not only the means of our salvation in Jesus... Meaning, the gospel is not only the means that we get to heaven, that we're saved, that we have eternal life, but it's also the means of our transformation. It's also the means of our growth in Christ as we mature in Christ. If we only profess to believe in the gospel without giving any consideration to what that implies of us, if we don't consider what that demands of us, if it doesn't impact your very existence, do we really trust Christ for the sum of our lives? Or are we just wanting to get to heaven? There's a huge difference here. Paul says if you hold fast to this message that I preached, if you hold fast, and if you don't, you've believed in Jesus in vain. If the resurrection of Jesus... If the sacrifice of Christ to you on the cross doesn't cause you to really want to, desire to, really truly follow Jesus, then you are on some very shaky ground, my friend. Your salvation is completed in Jesus if indeed you are following Jesus. If indeed you are submitting your whole life to him in complete faith and dependency. If you're doing the things that he has called you to do in his word. If your life is marked by repentance when you sin, your salvation is complete if you are striving to be like Jesus and resting in his grace and mercy to you when you fail. So again, Paul goes on to remind us of this gospel message. Verse 3 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So Christ died for our sins. Christ Jesus went to the cross because we did not, would not, and could not live up to the standard that he set for us. Sin means missing the mark, and we have all missed it. Bless you. We have all missed it, and we all continue to miss it. And knowing everything we would do, everything we would say, every action against Jesus in our life, he still willingly went to the cross for you. Man, and that's good news. That is the good news of the gospel. Because of the cross of Jesus, salvation in Jesus is possible. The cross is at the heart of the gospel. 
Through Jesus' death, we have what is called atonement. We have payment for sin's penalty. Christ on the cross became our substitute, completing the payment that our sin demanded. But more than that, he became our representative before God. And in doing so, we now have adoption by God as sons and daughters. And through the resurrection, man, we have life. Without the resurrection, listen to me here. Without the resurrection... The cross is just an unjust execution. Without the resurrection, listen to me, Jesus would be a liar. Because he said he would in fact rise. Without the resurrection, Jesus was defeated by death and is not God's son. But we believe that Jesus did in fact rise because of the resurrection. Jesus has defeated sin and death once and for all for those whose faith is in him. Through the blood of Jesus, the payment required for sins, the sacrifice that God accepts, Jesus has appeased the wrath of God on our behalf. And through his blood, we now have reconciliation to God and a new covenant that makes us righteous before God. We are now fully loved, fully accepted, and if you are in Christ, you have eternal life with Christ your King. And all of that has happened in accordance with the Scriptures. All of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, points to this fact that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose, that Jesus ascended, and that Jesus will be coming back again. Man, there are many prophecies about the cross But 800 years or so before this event happened, Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 53. It's a beautiful chapter. I just picked out a couple of verses. Uh, Go back and read it in your devotional time. Um, But Isaiah 53, 4 through 6 says this. Surely he, being the Messiah, he has borne our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, everyone, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. By the cross, by the resurrection of Jesus, you now have access to peace with God and forgiveness from God. Because of the blood of Jesus, God is not angry with you. If you're in Christ, God is pleased with you. I think some of you need to hear this. Man, your sin debt has been paid and paid in full through the blood of Jesus. You've received grace, you've received mercy because of Jesus' death. And because of that, you've been adopted into God's family. You don't have to earn. You don't have to clean yourselves up. Christ accepts you just as you are. Because of the blood of Jesus, God sees you as holy and blameless. So your response then is repentance. Meaning that you acknowledge your sin before a just and holy God and ask for forgiveness. And you do so by faith in Jesus' sacrifice to you on the cross. Confessing that though your sin may be great, Jesus' mercy is more. Man, we can't minimize the resurrection. 
Without it, all of this is meaningless. Life is meaningless. And we're going to hit on more on that in a second. But consider the resurrection. We now join two millennia of witnesses to the resurrection. It is not a spiritual resurrection only, but Jesus rose physically, bodily, and revealed himself to the apostles and others, including the Apostle Paul, who through the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the ministry of the other apostles, the gospel has gone forth to the ends of the earth. And so we gather today to celebrate that to celebrate our resurrected Savior with brothers and sisters from every tribe, nation, and tongue all across the face of the earth. Look at what Paul says in verse 5. And then uh, he, being Jesus, appeared to Cephas, which is another word for the apostle Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed." All right, so a little fun fact about me. I really enjoy a good documentary. Uh, my favorite ones, you might call this a guilty pleasure. I just call them a pleasure. Uh, my favorite ones are like documentaries on like gangs and drug dealers and mobsters and cult people. Um, one thing usually at play in all of these docs is that the leaders and the followers of those leaders are usually only after a few things. And it's always... Sex, money, or power, or some conglomeration of three. Uh, especially when you consider some of these cult leaders, there is always this narrative that puts them in control, puts them in the driver's seat, and for a time, they usually get what they want. And early on in the Christian faith, these early apostles were accused of starting this type of movement. Man, but if you consider their lives, they were all poor. None of them, or very few of them, were noble by birth. None of them were. That's my contention, at least. And most, if not all of them, died as martyrs. They died martyrs' deaths in defense of the resurrection. So let me ask you this. Any of you willing to die for a lie? And here we have these 12 dudes, these 12 apostles, minus Judas, who betrayed Jesus, so 11, we have Paul, we have James, the brother of Jesus, who prior to the resurrection was not a believer in Jesus. And then it says we, there are 500 others who many at the time were still alive at the time Paul wrote his letter. And Paul says, hey, we witnessed these things. We saw the resurrected Jesus. We have devoted our lives to telling others about them. So just a brief aside, I want to consider the life of, of Paul before he came to Christ. So Paul, B.C., um, he was persecuting the church. He was murdering Christians. He was an enemy of the ministry of Jesus. 
And while he was on the road to Damascus to go murder more Christians, Jesus reveals himself to Paul. And Jesus radically saves Paul. God didn't choose to save Paul because of his status. God chose to save Paul by his grace and by his grace alone, as Paul says in verse 10. This shows us that once you are shown grace, your identity is forever changed. You are truly a new creation. No matter how unworthy you may feel, grace still abounds. No matter what you've done, no matter how awful you think you are or how awful somebody has told you you are, God's grace is sufficient for you. Man, and this leads us to follow Jesus. It's important to us, Paul says, that we'd be willing to leave the comfort of security, the comfort of our nation, the comfort of our lands, the comfort of our families for the sake of the message of the gospel of Jesus, if he so calls us to do so, so that others would come to faith in Christ. Does the knowledge of the grace of God to you move you to action? Is the resurrection important to you? Does it matter to you? Again, you can't be neutral here on this resurrection. Without it, there is no hope for any of us. Look at what the text says. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitied. So Paul is like using this logical argument here, a little line of logic to follow. For the Corinthian church, some of whom seem to be denying the physical resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, if there is no resurrection, then not even Jesus, your Messiah, your Savior, not even him, he's not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised to life, then everything we're saying and everything we're doing and the faith you say that you have is worthless. Paul says it's in vain. For the Corinthian church, not accepting the resurrection means not accepting one of the most important, if not the most important tenet of the faith. And if we don't accept the resurrection of Jesus as factual and necessary, you cannot inherit eternal life. You may believe in something, but it isn't the God of the Bible. For us today, here's where, here's where we relate to these Corinthians. For us today, you may verbally acknowledge the resurrection. You may verbally acknowledge the resurrection, but do you deny its significance by the way you live your life? You see, it's really easy for me to verbalize the cross of Jesus. It's really easy to regurgitate information that I heard in Sunday school, like Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and Jesus rose from the grave. 
It's easy to say that. But do you live like any of it matters? When you have been impacted by the resurrection, it changes things. It changes how you interact with people. It changes how you live because you are no longer seeing your life as your own. But you now belong to Jesus and are part of his mission. Believers in Jesus should be the most joy-filled, hopeful people because we've been forgiven and rescued and we now have a story to tell. And the grace of God, man, it frees you from fear. It frees you from guilt. It frees you from shame. It frees you from condemnation. You are now free to worship and serve Jesus as people who have been loved and served by Jesus. And we're free to just offer our lives up to him. In worship, looking on the one who did the work we couldn't do. Worshiping Jesus for his mercy and grace will lead us in change. We can boldly approach the Father with wonder and awe, knowing that as we gaze upon him, he will complete the work he started in us. Do you live in such a way that honors Christ? Do you live in such a way that communicates that you have been changed by the grace and mercy of Jesus shown to you on the cross? Do you live like the resurrection has any bearing on your life? Or are you just doing the things you're supposed to do, trying to earn God's favor, doing all the like culturally acceptable things, trying to be a good person, trying to be good enough or better than that other guy to try to appease God? Does the cross and does the knowledge that God himself came to die for you move you to worship? Or does it just mean some churchy religious thing that you say in here? Does the cross cause you to make the things of Jesus a priority? Like your church and your Bible and your Christian community? Or do you fit Jesus into your schedule whenever it's convenient? Maybe you think you're good with God because you don't do the big sins. Like, I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't knocked off a 7-Eleven recently. I'm a good person. I work hard. I take care of my kids, and I don't cheat on my spouse. Man, that's not the goal. The goal is the worship and honor of Jesus. And if you're not motivated by that, I don't know if you really understand how truly significant the cross of Christ is for you. And there's grace for you, so much grace for you, grace and mercy for you for wherever you're at in this room this morning. But also I'll say this, Jesus really does love and care for you, and he wants to give you life and give you life abundantly. Man, some of us just really need to consider our commitment to Jesus. The cross and the resurrection should lead you to worship. It should lead you to faith and repentance. <laughs> Good job, buddy. <laughs> the cross and the resurrection should move you to worship, and it should move you to faith and repentance. But sadly for many of us, for many people, it's just another event on the calendar. Paul says that if Christ has not been raised and this life is all that we have, then we're still in our sin.
Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Without a risen Savior, without a risen Christ, we have no hope. If Christ is only a good moral teacher, a good man for us to follow, Paul says we are a people to be most pitied. If Christ was only a good person and this is all there is, then we're still helpless and hopeless. Faith in Christ is pointless if the end result is you are still in your sin. Faith in Christ is pointless if the end result is you're still in your sin, unable to save yourself, unable to fix yourself. If there is no resurrection, Jesus' death would have accomplished nothing because there is no justification for you in Christ. No pardon, no forgiveness of sins, no eternal life, only death and condemnation. But look at what the text says. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Woo! Uh, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Man, thanks be to God, Christ is no longer dead. Thanks be to God that the payment for your sin has been made and paid in full, that your sins are forgiven, that you can be made alive with Christ. For the believer... Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its victory. Therefore, for the Christian, our souls when we die are with Jesus and our bodies are merely asleep at our deaths until we are raised with Christ at the end. The curse of Adam, the seed of sin that has been passed to us because of our first man, Adam's sin, the seed that has been passed to us that indwells everyone who has ever lived except for Jesus, the curse of Adam has been broken. And the promises of God have been fulfilled in the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus. That is why we celebrate Easter. The horrors of the cross. This is why the horrors of the cross are so beautiful. Because Jesus rose. This is why the death of Christ is significant, because through it, the wrath of God has been satisfied on our behalf, and through the resurrection, eternal life is now possible for those whose faith is in him, that is in him. We are destined for eternity. Listen, every single one of us, we, just, it, we don't just cease to exist. Believers in Jesus spend eternity in the presence and in the worship of Jesus. And on the other side of the aisle, that you don't just cease to exist either. We believe that there's judgment and punishment eternally for the unbeliever. But that doesn't have to be the end for you. Jesus offers himself for you, for your pardon, for your life. We call it Good Friday, the Friday when Jesus was crucified. Good Friday is only good because of what takes place on Sunday. So the response for you this morning is just to really consider this for yourself. And I don't want to be heavy-handed here, but do you believe this? And not just do you say you believe this, but do you really believe this? Do you live like you believe this? Is your hope in Christ? Do you believe he loves and cares for you? Are you taking the posture of a repentant sinner who knows you have forgiveness? Or are you taking the posture of a, of a worker for your salvation? 
trying to do just enough to live just right enough to be just good enough. Man, does our sin grieve us and cause us to turn to Jesus? Or does our sin cause us to try to work hard to earn back God's love and our, God's favor that we think we've lost? Look, none of that is even possible. Our sin debt is steep. We could never pay for it ourselves. We could never be good enough. We could never do enough to pay our penalty. We need Jesus to stand in our place before God, and he has done that on our behalf. He's done that on behalf of the believers. If your faith is in him, your salvation is secure. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Through the resurrection, your salvation is secure if you're a believer in Christ. What the resurrection also communicates is that Jesus will be victorious over sin and over death forever. Meaning you cannot remain in your sin, unrepentant, walking in willful, ongoing, unrepentant sin, and have the cross and resurrection mean nothing to you. Christ is either everything to you or he is nothing. You either love and follow Jesus with your whole life or you don't. And if you don't, your eternity has an entirely different outcome. You will be separated from Christ for all eternity. Christ has offered us grace and mercy through himself, though. There is grace available to you. There is mercy available to you. There is forgiveness available to you. But you cannot go on about your life considering Jesus when it's convenient for you. Having the cross and resurrection have no bearing on your life. Man, if this is you, just ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. That you would see the beauty of the cross and see the beauty of your Savior. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Jesus for salvation and forgiveness. Believe that he is better than everything else you are trying to satisfy yourself with. And he will give you life and give you life abundantly. Consider Jesus this morning, who rose from the grave by the power of God and is pleased to give you life and transform your life by his indwelling presence. Repent, believe, trust God for salvation. Let's pray.